Good morning, everybody. Welcome in to a busy Joe Beaver show. Uh, the next couple of days, uh, we will be, we hope, busy. John, I'm not sure what the plan. Oh, Friday, you're, who's going to, it's a best of, is that correct, yeah, on yeah. Friday? Okay. It'll be a live best of, if that makes sense. TJ will be riding herd. TJ will be here. He'll opine. He maybe throw it out for phone calls. Okay. But since he'll be by himself, he'll have... Uh, five or six of some of our past interviews, some of our best past interviews put together, uh, ready to replay. So it will be a live thing. So if you wanted to call in and, and talk about something, he would be here to do it. But with those interviews, um, plus, you know, when you're working with automation, it's easier to ride, ride herd than it is to try to create something that's down to the second so that no human being right. is here. Right. Cause I'm taking Friday off. Good for you. Meanwhile, today. OSU Hall of Famer, Big Jim Wilson. We've been on sort of an every other day, every other week kind of a program with Jim. We do not wish to impose upon his good nature. <laughs> We'd, I'd love to have him on every week, maybe every day, as a matter of fact. But yeah, same with Petros. Big Jim will join us tomorrow, uh, today at uh, 1215. Jaden Grant later this hour after practice. I've reached out to Kate Scott, have not heard back from Kate yet when I texted her I saw that she is the voice of the 76ers on television working with as her analyst none other than Allah Abdel Nabi which I thought wow, wow that's an interesting connection I Allah may be from Philly I, I don't know what if he if he finished his career with the Sixers I I don't remember after he left Portland but Allah Abdel Nabi will uh, is the analyst with Kate on 76ers broadcasts. Kate sort of returning to her Pac-12 roots, according to David Platty's release, and working the Learfield IMG College Game of the Week. I don't know if that may be a studio game, perhaps, and maybe she stays in Philly. And mm-hmm. I don't know, but I hope that she is able to connect. But it just sounds like she has a busy life and world. And whether she's able to join us or not, I don't know, but we're trying. So Jimmy Wilson and Jaden Grant today, and I'm hoping to touch base, too, with the Oregon State men's basketball team playing St. Martin's tomorrow night at Gill Coliseum at 7 o'clock. Unfortunately, the men's practice schedule is not congenial with our. Their window is 11 to 1 to practice, and that strikes me as the same hours as the Joe Beaver show. And tomorrow being a game day, we wouldn't really be able to make much contact with anyone uh, from the team tomorrow. So I thought we'd kind of take a little different approach, it being an exhibition game, and reach out to St. Martin's coach, Aaron Landon. Hmm. I'm informed by Tyler Kopp, who played. Tyler's now uh, on the staff for the Beavs and uh, working. I mean, he's been on the staff for a while now, but Tyler played at St. Martin's, not for this particular coach, but raves about what a good dude Aaron mm-hmm. Landon is, and just get a feel for a Division II team coming into Gill, what the opportunity means, what their program's all about. They have players on their roster from Salem and for, throughout the state of Oregon, and just get a feel from him about the opportunity to come play a team with his team, a Division II program out of the GNAC mm-hmm. at Gill, an Elite Eight program that they're taking on, and just what his Young players think of that opportunity, so we hope to reach out to him at some point as well. Same conference as uh, Western Oregon. Western Oregon is the only Division II program in the state of Oregon, 
having to play twice in football because that conference doesn't have enough teams. But they do go up to, I believe, Fairbanks, I think, in that conference. And uh, it's quite wide-ranging for basketball. In the meantime, as we await Jaden Grant, open phones if you'd care to jump in on anything we've touched on so far. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, Terry Fry will join us. Terry has been a long-time writer. Yeah. He wrote most recently for the Denver Post. He is still writing, covers the abs in the NHL, uh, and Post columns occasionally on college football. Had one a month ago or so about Carl Durrell and Brandon Lewis in Colorado, and he'll be at the game Saturday in Boulder. I've always liked Terry. Terry yeah. was a columnist for a long time. At uh, he was a the columnist Oregonian. for a long time at yeah. the Oregonian. Yeah. So he'll join us tomorrow, Doc. Maybe a little bit more. Yeah. No, that'll be great. I I don't know Terry personally, but read his stuff. Grew up uh, reading a lot of his stuff and. And knew that he had uh, taken off for, for, uh, for bigger area in Denver. So for a long time, that'll be a good get for tomorrow. Okay, so some things have come out just this morning. Um, news was breaking this morning when I was on the air on the Clue Morning Update that Aaron Rodgers uh, t- tested positive for COVID. And then I see this news about the preseason media poll for women's basketball. It doesn't differ much from a different poll that has already come out. Stanford, number one. This is women's basketball. Stanford, then uh, Oregon, then UCLA and OSU, uh, the top four. So Oregon State at number four, followed by Arizona. Now, remember, Arizona made it to the finals championship game, losing to Stanford and uh, picked to finish fifth in the conference this year. Uh, Washington State, sixth. Uh, Colorado, Arizona State, USC 9, Utah 10, Washington 11, and then Cal coming up behind at number 12. And there were a couple of preseason uh, uh, awards. Taylor Jones and Talia von Olhoffen were both selected to the Pac-12 preseason team, while Kennedy Brown was named a preseason honorable mention. I believe now they don't do first team, second team. It's just you're either on the team. If you didn't make that, you're honorable mention, and then that's it. So Taylor Jones and Talia von Olhoffen selected to the preseason team. Kennedy Brown, an honorable mention for Oregon State. I ask a question that's been asked in a variety of ways over the years, and I I hope that there may be someone that will answer it. Somebody in our midst who may be a longtime Atlanta Braves fan. I know that there's a, a lot of Atlanta Braves fans over the years because of the superstation, WTBA. Right. right. And that station, that exposure created many Braves fans in the 80s. And did you jump aboard then because of seeing them and good teams with Dale Murphy and back-to-back MVP seasons for Dale? And maybe here in the area you also knew and appreciated that he was uh, out of Wilson High and Portland State and from Portland and thus... It was easy to like the Braves and a good guy and in Dale Murphy, and that team was compelling. So I'm just wondering if, if so, if you've been a longtime Braves fan, and even if you're not, did any of you along the way tune in and watch the 2021 World Series? I was surprised when I looked up the ratings from Fox for the 2021 World Series mm-hmm. because they were there was a 35% jump this really? year and an increase in ratings from last year, from last year when the Dodgers raised. Yeah. I mean, a 60 game season, an election year. I mean, I remember a year ago about this time kicking around some of these 
these same ideas. About, you know, but the Dodgers and the L.A. market, yeah, I thought would yeah. would just by by on that alone would by default would be a greater draw than Atlanta, Houston. But no, a thirty-five percent jump overall uh, in Game Five in particular. That and the one that the Astros won to force a Game Six. Which is funny because I was into the wild card series, the divisional uh, cha- uh, tournament uh, playoffs, and then the championship series, both the American League nationally. And as soon as it got to the World Series, I couldn't even force myself to watch <laughs> more than an inning. It felt, again, not not leaning in on the day-to-day, pitch-to-pitch grind of the series. Six games, Atlanta wins their first series since 1995. I'm wondering if and the question that I said, asked in a variety of ways, how does it feel as a Braves fan? How does it feel to channel your Bob Dylan or your Judd Hirsch and ordinary people with Timothy Hutton taking exception? How does it feel? How does it feel? You're always wanting to ask me, how does it feel? And Judd Hirsch, yes. How does it feel? <laughs> Great movie, tremendous performances by all concerned and ordinary people. But how does it feel if you are a Braves fan today? In a series that, as I was watching it with some friends last night, we both were kind of, not both, but several of us were glancing at the TV screen and saying, I sure hope this game gets better. I hope the Astros <laughs> mount a bit of a rally. I, not that I like the Astros. I don't. I was glad to see them lose the World Series, even though I like Dusty Baker. That seemed to be the only sentiment people were saying, an old friend saying, I feel bad for Dusty, bad for Dusty. Mm-hmm. I hate the Astros, but I like Dusty. That kind of thing was coming up quite a bit. But we were all in agreement in our little circle last night that this was, quote, a dud of a World Series. Not enough compelling games and finishes or high drama or excitement. So I'm just wondering if you are a Braves fan today, how does it feel if that's the way the series has been regarded? Is this as satisfying, if not more so, than 1995? It also strikes me as seeing the roster and how it was comprised and big players and important players on the team coming to the team for the last half of the season, finally climbing over 500 in August. It's a good story. It sounds as though, speaking to good dudes, that the manager, Brian Snitker, is the definition of a good guy. Mm. And a guy that has some new school but old school stuff in him, still going with his gut, making decisions Good at times, not completely reliant on making decisions within games and what the analytic sheet would tell him to do. Mm-hmm. But did you pay enough attention to this World Series here in our midst? And in our midst, we're getting ready for the Beavers at Colorado, and we know that that's really all that matters. I understand, and that's why Jim Wilson's going to talk to us about what it's going to take to beat Colorado and how he sizes up the matchup. We'll talk to Jaden Grant in, in a little bit here in this first hour. But the the grand event known as the Baseball World Series is in the books. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, in our midst, did you watch any of it? Did you enjoy it? If you're a Braves fan, how does it feel? It, somehow baseball just this year seemed about as irrelevant as, as I've ever felt it, and yet the ratings were up 35% yeah, for this series. That is very So maybe surprising. we're the ones who are missing out and not catching on or getting how great it was. So I'm just wondering, anybody here, we're going to take a break, and if you have any thoughts on the text line, the University Honda text line, or the Downward Dog phone line, did it grab you and compel you? Are you a long-time Braves fan that, 
that you've been waiting for this for a long time, so many near misses over the years. But I think about the 91 World Series, for example. The 91 World Series, <laughs> you'd rather win a kind of a dud of a World Series. You'd rather win a dud of a World Series than lose a compelling seven-game classic. Yeah. I understand yeah. that, of course. But I'm just saying here, that 91 World Series between the Twins and Braves was a far greater event and spectacle than what we just saw unfold. I know the series can't every year live up to seven-game high drama finishes, mm -hmm. but that thing was a beauty and a classic. And this one, for Braves fans, you want it, you want it handily and easily, and these new guys that you fell in love with at midseason, they're your guys, and so you're going to cheer them on. And I saw the wild celebrations going on in Atlanta, so it must feel pretty good. But just for the, those of us on the outside, it, it seemed hard to engage with this one. I don't series. know why. I don't know why, but it just was. It Any just thoughts was. on that or anything else you'd like to share? 497-5356. Big Jim Wilson next hour. Jaden Grant a little bit later this hour. Maybe today I'm working and trying to get a time with St. Martin's head coach Aaron Landon and the men's exhibition game between the Saints and the Beavers tomorrow night at Gill Coliseum. And still reaching out to Kate Scott. Terry Fry will join us tomorrow. Longtime Oregonian columnist, Denver Post columnist, loves hockey, writes about college football, and may have some thoughts about the coaching carousel of which his father was a victim of, fired by Oregon after the 1971 season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Terry, I think, has always harbored a degree of anger, angst, bitterness over that. His dad was a tremendous man, and his dad stood by principle, and his dad was told by the powers that be at Oregon, you fire a couple of your assistants, jokers mm -hmm. like John Robinson and George Seifert and people like that, you get rid of some of your coaches, you're fine, we'll keep you, but you need to let some assistant coaches go. And Terry stood his ground and said, nope, I'm going down with them, I'm not going to throw my guys under the bus. That's a highly principled stance yeah. that not many people take. He did, and I've always had thus great admiration from Jerry from afar over that. I interviewed him a couple of times back in the 90s, thought he was a tremendous person and man, and that principled stance was admirable. Did he end up coaching anywhere else? I don't, he never coached again. No, he was a longtime scout for the Denver Broncos, and oh, I, highly, regarded, highly regarded. Highly ah, regarded. That's too bad. He should have been able to coach somewhere. Yeah. Now it's a, And people who played for him speak reverently of the type of man and person he was. Well, that's an all-star lineup of uh, assistant coaches. He had some pretty good dudes on his staff over <laughs> the years. Bruce Snyder, Robinson, Seifert. And yet, you know, he was told, look, you're, uh, you're fine. We like you, but get rid of a couple of guys yeah. and you can well, keep I your mean, job. Still going on today. He had also lost the great pumpkin, <laughs> the late, great DeAndros. And this is also the thing that cost him. Lost. He lost the Civil War five consecutive seasons. Ooh. He was the head coach for five and lost all five to D. You can't do that. No. Nope. On either side of right. any rivalry game. Nope. We hear that over and over again in all the rivalries across the land. And boosters just said, nah. nah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Even though they still game. wanted to keep him. They knew that he was a good coach and, and he had some good players and they had some nice wins along the way. But... That might have even kept Brooks at Oregon for a while because he was under that's, 500. I think that's a good point. He won the Civil War but with regularity. Re yeah, yep, he yeah. did. 
We break. If you'd like to join us, 497-5356, 497-5356. Thanks for joining us on 1240 Joe Radio. The Winter Golf Membership Special is going on now at Spring Hill Golf Club. Sign up for a winter membership and golf for free in November, December, and January. Spring Hill Golf Club is even waiving the initiation fees to all golf membership categories with a 12-month commitment. New winter members won't pay dues until February 2022. Get the golfers in your family a great gift this holiday season, one that lasts all year. Don't miss your opportunity at Free Golf Now through January. Call for more information or visit albany-golf.com. Master the mealtime rush with a refrigerator that helps you cut down on clutter. The Whirlpool four-door refrigerator keeps groceries in sight and easy to find. From easy-reach shelves to a flexible ice bin, see how the four sleek compartments help keep ingredients organized so that you can get dinner on the table. Visit Kellenberger Appliance to learn more. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street, Lebanon, serving all our appliance needs since 1918. Visit Kellenberger Appliance today. Showers or baths? Which do you prefer? Hi, this is Katie with Albin's Plumbing. You deserve a bathroom that fits you, whether that be a walk-in shower or a luxurious soaker tub. Let Albin's Plumbing handle your bathroom remodel from beginning to end. Then all you have to do is turn on the water and relax. At Albin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Albin's Plumbing. If you're expecting family or guests this fall or during the holidays, maybe you don't have a place for them to sleep. A futon from Futon Man in Corvallis is the perfect solution. Futon Man has quality constructed solid hardwood frames in lots of styles and finishes, and their futons have a highly resilient, long-lasting foam core, and they're made right in the store in Corvallis. There's lots of cover choices, too. And students, a futon works great when you need some extra space in your dorm. Stop by Futon Man, two miles north of Corvallis on Highway 99 and online at Futon man.com you know bounce backs are always a big deal I, I think the beavers uh timing issue on a couple of their losses is where you know you you, you work hard you're not going to get in the preseason polls because of your past that's fine you work hard you get a couple of votes but then you lose and you're off the radar but then you come back with a bounce back win over Utah, and you're right back in with seven votes, and it's not very many, but you're in that top mm-hmm. 30. Mm-hmm. And so, but you lose again, and then you drop back out. Now you got to work extra hard. A win over Colorado would not be the same kind of bounce that you got off of beating Utah, but a win over Colorado gets you like, okay, all right, fine, you're six and three, and people who vote need to kind of look at that, even if they don't see the games. And then you take care of business, let's say, with a win over Stanford. Now you're seven and three, and that should whittle down the number of teams that are seven and three or better to at least top, uh, 25 and then, or somewhere in that category. And then you win again. And now you're back to where you can at least <laughs> hopefully right. finish the season in the top 25, go to a bowl game and great season, great season. But all that other stuff that we always hoped for is still on the table. The timing of the losses in terms of yeah. rankings has, yeah. has not been good. I mean, no. losses, the Beavers I, would have been, I think, in this initial CFP rollout. Yes, in I the top so. twenty-five. When had. you look at some of the other teams, but again, that's almost it's almost a so what at this yeah. point because you're still you're trying to you're playing to try to beat Colorado, become bowl eligible, and then see where that takes you the following week. And all the things you just laid out are still right. in play. Now I don't know about you, but 
I still, when all the, the talk about the Final Four goes, yeah, I report on it in the morning and, and have opinions on it. I thought Oregon jumping from seventh in the AP poll to the fourth spot in the in the CFP was a bit of a leap. Um, I'd, I'd be ticked if I was Cincinnati. Absolutely hmm. furious. Maybe even Oklahoma because they're undefeated too. But if you're Cincinnati and you've done everything you can do, mm-hmm. and there's been a few tweets out there about how the – you know Carter Bonds uh, weighing in on how the uh, what are the non-power fives called group the, of five. the group of five. There won't be a group of five in the final four. It just won't. But there is in every other sport: baseball, basketball, of course. Um, it just they won't happen because if if Cincinnati can't get in, um, <laughs> Luke Fickle has done everything he right. can, and they've done everything they can to get in. They got all the way up to number two in the AP poll and Oregon goes from seven to four mm-hmm. and is in. And so all that haranguing, I get it. I hear it, but I don't care. All I care about is the Rose Bowl. I don't I'm know. With it's, you. I can't let go. No, and you shouldn't. And that's our world. And we're still in it. In November, you mentioned that granddaddy of all bowls in the site. Yeah. In the Arroyo Seco. You, sh- you should mention it because that's still what matters most in our and world, and it's still in play. Doug from Salem, you were gone. Is This was um, on the day of the game Saturday. He called in. Now, I know Doug, I think, has a little wink when he says some things. But somehow it came up. He goes, well, I'm down here in California. He, he, he wanted to go. He would rather go to the Holiday Bowl. I said, well, Doug, don't you want to go to the Rose Bowl? He said, well... It's closer to the beach in San Diego. He's joking. He's got to be. And I said, well, you can go to the beach, go to the Rose Bowl, and then go down to San Diego. Yeah. You don't I mean, have to go there for that, a bowl that, game. That, that would not, I mean, I cannot <laughs> take that sort of thing seriously. But his delivery really sounds. No, he's deadpan. He's very he's deadpan. very deadpan. Yeah. And Doug, if that's, that, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a difficult one to, to fully assimilate. Yes. Today. Now, Krahulik has texted on the University Honda text line with respect to the World Series. I like this. I like his nostalgic bent here. Josh Krahulik Burke. As soon as I heard the Beavers' chop chat, I was instantly taken back to those amazing 1990s teams. Greg Maddox, the best command pitcher ever, in his opinion. I was hooked back then, and I was instantly hooked again. I loved it. Watched all the games. This year. So congratulations, Krahulik. Mm, yeah. But it sounds as though, if I'm reading Krahulik right, he went away from the Braves for a long time. You know, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind, irrelevant. But here they are again. He hears the chant again. Well, he it just it brought it all back, and he got locked in on the Braves and loved, loved it to the end and their triumph in the World Series. Would you agree? I bet there's a lot of those Superstation fans from the 90s that – dropped off because it's been 25 years. This could be Jaden. We don't know what the practice schedule is. If it is, we'll visit with Jaden right now. If not, we look forward to your conversations and input. We do have a text from somebody that, with respect to the CFP, how is Oregon ahead of Oklahoma in the CFP rankings? Oregon's a one-loss team whose loss came to a team with a losing record over an undefeated Oklahoma. Good question. I, he says, I get the win over Ohio State, but the loss to a subpar Stanford team overshadows that win. Uh, good question. It is a very good question. And the whole thing that I kept hearing around sports talk radio in this region and state was no matter what, 
whether top four or five, what, that Oregon should be ahead of Ohio State. And I thought on principle, if they both well, have one true. loss and head-to-head, one team won, then that team should probably be ahead. But I understand the nature of this question, which is a different one. Yeah, right. Oregon should be ahead of Ohio State. But how are they ahead of Oklahoma? And how is Oklahoma not even ranked that high considering they're undefeated? And they're Oklahoma. You can't get any more of a starting point of, of blue blood where you get privilege, if you will. And wow. Here okay. is Shane in Corvallis, and this is a sentiment we hear often in our midst. Mm-hmm. He wrote on the University Honda text line. Thank you, Shane. He wrote, I just don't watch any major league baseball. I watch the Beaver baseball game. And we hear that, that Beaver baseball, because of the the excellent product, if you will, that it's been for most of uh, this century, yeah. has supplanted and even met the, if the, if you have a baseball fix or whatever, I mean, you, you like the game, you love the game, but you get enough of it at that level. And the seasons that play out with the drama involved in races for the Pac-12 and yeah. to try to get to the tournament and to win a regional and a super and go to Omaha and win. And that has, for many, I think, in our midst, supplanted even the Major League Baseball. It's because it's your it's, it's team. your team, yeah. and you care more day-to-day about that. Now, it's a shorter season and all that, so I'm still just wondering if there are a lot of ardent Beaver fans in our midst who love the game enough to follow it closely. Mm. And did you follow this World Series at all? Were you amongst the 35% jump? You didn't watch last year, but you tuned in a little bit more this year because it was more of a legitimate season, 162 games, not 60. Mm. Any thoughts on any of that? Let's go to Dave before we hear from Jaden Grant, who's expected to join us momentarily. Dave, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Two things. First, baseball. I had uh, fun last night explaining to my wife, Chris, just how I end up rooting for whomever I'm rooting for in the World Series. So if the Yankees are playing, I'm always rooting against them. Mm -hmm. That's just categorical. Generally, though, I'll root for the American League team except if the National League team is the Dodger. Uh, but, but, uh, but, I, but I'm okay with the National League, National League team winning if it's not St. Louis or the Dodgers. So it's, it's a real complicated formula, but I'm very happy. Very, I was hoping that the Astros would win, but I'm okay with the Braves winning because it's a National League team that's not playing the Yankees that is also not the Dodgers or the Cardinals. So, again, I like to think part of what I do with my routine calls to you guys is it's helping to explain how fans think about things. Mm-hmm. I'm just having a little little sure. fun no, with you. You're it. right. But I want to I want to address <laughs> something. Uh, you guys seemed a little mystified yesterday by my comments when I said, "Again, I'm not. I would like the Beavs to win out. Let let there be no mistake. right, right. And I'm certain. I certainly like their chances this week against Colorado." Although I think there's a, there's a little bit of a psychology trap about the urgency of the sixth win and bowl eligibility. I hope that comment stood for its, on its own sake. But you seem to think I was propagating some kind of double standard by suggesting a five-win season is okay for Jonathan Smith. But if Mike Riley has a five or six or seven-win season, somehow that's a travesty. But if I might, I'd just like to explain the logic behind this because I think it's relevant. In 2003, when Mike Riley started his second regime, he inherited the redshirt freshmen, the freshmen of sophomores, 
that uh, that Dennis Erickson had, crew, had recruited, plus the recruits of, two, of February 2003, because Dennis didn't leave until after that recruiting class was in hand. Mm-hmm. And bear in mind, too, in 2003, Oregon State is three seasons from an 11-win season in the fourth ranking in the country. Now, compare that to the program Jonathan Smith inherited yeah. three years ago. Yeah. He's three years away from a two-win season and four years from a one-year season. Mm-hmm. So there's a context to every every sports argument. I think what I said was perfectly plausible, per- perfectly reasonable, and I hope without complimenting myself, cogent on its terms. But we, we got wins. Uh, this season's already successful. We caught SC. I think there's a lot of, because we have wins against SC and UW, people automatically think, hey, we're the top third, top quartile mm-hmm. of the conference. We caught two programs obviously having off years, SC and UW. The team is improving, but we, we have a ways to go. And I stand by what I said yesterday. A five-win season at this point in Jonathan Smith's career is, is acceptable. We'd like it to be more. There's a good chance it would be more. But I don't think I'm propagating a double standard by saying five wins is okay for Jonathan Smith in year four when it wasn't at any time in a previous coach's career. Thank you for letting me explain my thinking on that matter. Thank you, Dave. And we have Jaden popping in here in just a second. Always appreciate the call, and thank you for your uh, thorough explanation as to uh, the why and the wherefore of a rooting interest in the World Series, which came to an end last night. But in our world, as much as we respect and love the game of baseball and the Oregon State baseball program, this is, after all, the Joe Beaver Show. And the biggest thing in our world this week, and I know it is for our next guest, is just simply getting ready for the next opportunity, and that's in Boulder Saturday at 4 o'clock Pacific. Jaden Grant joins us. Jaden, good morning. Thanks for taking time after the practice. How are you today? Of course, man. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I just wrapped up another practice. Just blessed to be able to, you know, play for college football. Jaden, what's uh, what's on your guys' plate this week after you come off? You know, I mean, you were one who, as a leader, just said, hey, <laughs> We, we shake this off. No long phases, no sad phases. We've got to go back to work and get ready for the next game. That seemed to be important for you to say. How, how has the team responded this week in practice? I think that we've responded well um, as far as, you know, the very next day. Just knowing what it was, um, you know, taking accountability for our play, um, reviewing the tape, knowing that what we put on tape is not who we are, and definitely not who we're going to be, you know, for the remainder of our opportunities this year. So I think it was good as far as just getting back into the lab, getting back to work, and um, just you know preparing to give us our, give ourselves an opportunity for success this, this uh, Saturday. Jaden, you were very engaged in the first half. It had to be disappointed and not get to be there at the outset. How did you stay involved, and and just how frustrating was it? I know we're moving on from that, but how did you stay involved? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it wasn't really it wasn't really uh too tough to, to stay involved or stay engaged just because as a leader, I mean, you try to be the same leader you are, whether you're on the field or not on the field. I mean, I mean, there's been different instances throughout my career where, you know, I haven't been playing or um, maybe I got taken out or maybe I was just injured where I was still, you know, able to encourage my teammates and lead. So, um, I mean, that, that wasn't hard. The hardest part was just not being able to physically go out there into the second half, but as far as um, encouraging my teammates and leading, that's something that I'll do, uh, regardless if I'm on the field or not. Jaden Grant, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show. Jaden, when you say get back in the lab, 
What are some takeaways? Just in terms of you said that wasn't us, we're better than that. What do you hope? How do you hope to be better Saturday in Boulder? In what areas specifically? Um, uh, execution. I think that's uh, pretty broad. Um, I thought we got out physical last game. Um, definitely didn't think that. You know, when you looked at the tape, uh, that it looked like the Beavers wanted it more last game. Um, in terms of our physical play. So, um, you know, that, that's who we are. We know, we know who we are as a, as a, as a defense and our identity. Uh, tough-nosed defense, you know, that plays together. And uh, we just weren't that last week. So, like I said, we're looking forward to the opportunity to, to get back to who we are, who we know we can be, and um, even improving beyond that. Jaden, congratulations on being up for the Burlesworth Trophy Award as uh, the top uh, walk-on in the nation. That's not an easy thing to do. You put in a lot of hours and a lot of work to become a leader of this team. So uh, how do you feel about be, being put on that watch list? Uh, I mean, uh, it, it, was cool to, it was cool to see. Um, I, I never really won any awards uh, growing up for any level of, of sports, whether it was middle school, high school, you know, besides little tournaments and championships like that so i'm not, not too big or too crazy about awards but um i mean seeing that one yesterday reading about what it was all about it, it made me realize you know that that i have come a long way here at oregon state and um you know the, the fun part is that i feel like i still have so much so much more to go um you know that's for me personally as a player so yeah, um, yeah. it's definitely an honor to be recognized and um, i'm thankful for and all the people that have helped me along the way get, get, get me to this point. Sure. What do you see in Colorado's offense that you need to stop? How different will it be this upcoming week? Um, I mean, they do some, they do some things. They got, I got a mobile quarterback. They got a, a really good running back, um, some good receivers, solid alignments. So, I mean, much like the, the stuff that we've already seen with, with the run game and the passing game. I mean, but for us this week, it's really all about us um, as it should be. Every single week, all about us, not not about what they're doing to us, but how we're executing, you know, our calls on defense. So that's been the mantra this entire week, pretty much this entire season. So um, we're looking to go out there and, you know, make it all about us, all about our execution, you know, all about how well we play together. And uh, like I said, go out there and try to get back on the winning record. And, Jaden, you'll be at elevation, that's one thing. But also, Colorado, despite their record, you know, averaging around 49,000, 50,000 fans. It's some kind of a homecoming or senior day or whatever, so it'll be a big day for fans. Are you okay having yeah. to go back out on the road to try and get a rebound? You said, am, I, am I okay? Well, yeah. I mean, is, I mean, does the team rally together to say we're on the road? It's us against the world, and let's go out and do this. Or would you? I mean, obviously, you'd rather be at home, but you are on the road, facing some challenges, trying yeah. to rebound. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, for me personally, I, I love playing away. Um, I love getting booed. I love being in the hostile, you know, environment. Love being an underdog when nobody wants to see win. So I think, I think, uh, I think I relish in, in those spots. But for us as a team, it really doesn't matter. Um, it's all about execution. It's all about, you know, how we play and you know how we go out there and, and compete together. Um, but, but also for me personally, my, my baby sister is a freshman at Boulder, so she'll be at the game. And so since she's there, my mom and dad and a bunch of my family are all going down to go visit her a little early and check out the game too. So I'll have some family support me in the stands, which, which would be nice for me. That's great news. Is she an athlete or just, just a student? And I hate to say just a student. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, she's, she's just a student. She's just a student. That's cool. Well, that's great. Last couple yeah. of things with uh, Jaden Grant joining us for a few minutes after practice today here on the Joe Beaver Show. 
Jaden, I have observed you this year. It feels like more than ever. I may be wrong, but you are so competitive. You're such a tough person and leader and player, high-character guy. It just strikes me that this year, in terms of the, I don't know if it's chippiness, uh, back and forth with the opposition, receivers you're covering and so on, there's some dialogue that goes on after a lot of these plays, and you don't back down at all. What What's that atmosphere like? Is it just all good competition? Are you trying to gain an edge? What happens in that dynamic? I mean, honestly, it's something that I don't even think about. I, I, I am the way I am. Um, I mean, off the grass, I'm extremely nice, respectful, you know, just how my parents raised me to be. But on the grass, I, I really don't care about anything but winning <laughs> and, um, and my teammates, so. That's as much as I'll say on that end, but yeah, uh, sometimes I definitely do let you know my competitive side get the best of me. But I mean, I think you ask me, you ask my teammates. I don't think they'd want to change that about me. Absolutely, no, no, no one would. And you mentioned your folks will be at the game and to see your sister. Your father was such a classy, is such a classy man and tremendous competitor. Did you learn some things from him about channeling what you just described in yourself to be the nicest person in the world off the court and yet? <laughs> ultra competitive on it well i mean i mean yeah when you when you grow up you know in that household um kind of witnessing you know how my dad played the game and then just how competitive he was and then really wasn't until i heard you know how some of his teammates thought about like man that dude between them lines crazy (laughs) it always i'd always get a kick out of that but he definitely uh taught me how to um taught me how to, how, to, how to really, he didn't really teach me about telling me, he just showed me how to, how to compete, you know, how to go out there and, and leave everything you have on the grass, not for yourself, but for your teammates. He, he taught me that at a very young age. I was telling the story a couple of weeks ago how, you know, he came to one of my games when I was probably about eight or nine years old, and after the game, I scored a bunch of points, thought I did well. And they sat me down and said, if I ever see you not playing with heart like that again, like I'll never come to another one of your games. <laughs> And from that point on, I just understood how important it was, you know, to always give 110% effort and do whatever it takes to win, you know, not for yourself, not just for yourself, but for your teammates. That's a great story, Jaden. Thanks for sharing that with us, and thanks for joining the show. We look forward to seeing you in Boulder this weekend. Love what you guys are doing. Thank you for your leadership on this team, and we'll see you in Boulder Saturday. Thanks for the time. Of course. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Jaden Grant, that's a good story right there. How about, yeah. the, you know, I'm not sure Brian would have. A little harsh. Yeah, I'm not sure that Brian would have uh, held to that. <laughs> no, I'm never going to go to a game again. I think the Be message. play without though, heart and passion. I'm never going again. I think the message I, is good. Please, but, please play with heart all the time yeah. for your teammates. And he got it. And so it never came up again. I had to say to my son, Matthew, if you play like that all the time, I'll give you 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. Yeah. Let's break. If you have any thoughts about Jaden, his attitude, this team going to Boulder, good message. And he is yeah. a genuine leader on this team that's overcome so many things and, and doubters and people. That, well, you know, you should go to a smaller level program. Don't walk on there. You know, yeah. he chooses to walk on and is one of the best walk on stories in the country. And we as had you him mentioned. for a podcast. Um, it's a couple of weeks back on the on the OSU Beaver mm-hmm. site for podcasts, and he was great. We'll break. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, Big Jim Wilson coming up at 1215, 497 5356. If you care to join us, either the Downward Dog phone line, University Honda text line, did the World Series grab a hold of you and not let go, and you're disappointed it's over? Or did you even watch a pitch of it? 497 5356, 1240, Joe Radio.
At Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis, we realized a long time ago we'll never be able to memorize all the plays in our playbook. We just have too many options. Over 36 fresh toppings for you to choose from, multiple crust options, gluten and dairy-free options, plus dine-in, takeout, and delivery to most of Corvallis, just to name a few. So we can't memorize all these plays, but with all these options, we've made Woodstock's Pizza, pizza for all on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. If you've been putting off that home remodeling project, now's the time to get it done, and Corvallis Floor Covering can help. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate, tile, wood flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands. The staff, Wendy, Robin, and Brian, have years of combined experience and look forward to working with you. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown. Or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering. Philomath, Oregon, 2002. A couple brothers had an idea to bring better internet access to rural parts of the Willamette Valley. An internet that meets your needs. We get it because we live here. If you're learning or working from home or keeping up with changes in the field, we are here to keep you connected to your world. Alirica High-Speed Rural Internet. Plans starting at $49.99. Call Alirica today. Online at Alirica.net. Alirica, the friendlier internet. In 1931, Oregon State's football team compiled a 6-3-1 record playing their home games at Bell Field in Corvallis. That same year, Umpqua Dairy began making ice cream to sell at the train station in Roseburg. Three generations later, they're still producing award-winning ice cream. And you don't have to wait at the train station. Simply visit your local grocery store. On behalf of Beaver Nation, thanks to Umpqua Dairy for your support of our beavers and for making the best ice cream in the nation. Independent Auto Works has been servicing and repairing Volkswagens for over 50 years. They're experts on Jettas, Passats, Nuno Beetles, Golfs, PDIs, Eurovans, and Vanigans. And they work on most other makes and models, too. They're on 13th Street near the OSU campus in Corvallis. Independent Auto Works, the guys you can trust. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. Beaver Nation. However you game day, your fan experience starts at the OSU Beaver Store. They carry the world's largest selection of officially licensed beaver gear, the brands you know and love, like 47 brand, Nike in Columbia. And remember, when you shop at the OSU Beaver Store, you support their nonprofit mission to give back to OSU students. Stop by their Kaiser Station or Campus Store or shop online at OSUBeaverStore.com. The OSU Beaver Store, supporting OSU students since 1914. And go Beavs! on the Joe Beaver Show. In this next segment, John and Michael will show you their musical skills. Guys, whistle along. Come on, guys, it's not that hard. Like this. Oh. The Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Okay, well, good. I'm glad to... The new vaudeville band bridge carries us back through the test yes. of the emergency I broadcast system. I wanted to hear the whole thing. We welcome you back to uh, the end of the first hour on the Joe Beaver Show. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, the phone lines are open, downward dog style, 497-5356, the University Honda text line. 
Okay, so to text. Yes. Here's one that came in. You haven't seen it because you put your phone down when it came in. Three years before Riley, Eric thought, okay, had an 11 win season. I was kind of thinking this too when Dave was talking, but you know, I don't want to well, nitpick yeah, on mean, things, right? You let things go. That's true, this person says, but that's not the team Riley inherited. The next year, Erickson's record was. And I'm not, I think he meant to write eight and five, yeah, okay. which is what it was. Eight I don't and disagree five. that Smith is doing great things, just questioning the. The cherry picking of year two from, and that's from Dave and Eugene. I agree, not harshly, like Dave, you, you, Dave, Dave, no, not at all. By the way, I was the one who poked Dave when he called in the day before and was saying that this would be a good year. And I'm like, oh, but, but under, that was me just poking a friend. Um, But, you know, and I'm glad that Dave called in to, uh, to make that explanation because he does make some, some points about that. Absolutely. Despite this, this listener. Oh, and then, and then. Should we say the one where Mike Mike in Seattle says Dave has a theory regarding the man on the grassy knoll also? <laughs> Just ask him. <laughs> I'm sure he does. I think that's a fun poke, too. Now, there's another text, and I like this one. Uh, and this is why this will bring up the sort of the ultimate question that always comes into play. Here's a good text from the same person that wrote about how in the world is Oregon ahead of Oklahoma in the CFP rankings. The same person doubling down on the University Honda text line writes again saying Beavers went out and Washington State wins out. Cougars win the North. That's parenthetically editorial insertion. That's true. Mm -hmm. Look at Wazoo's remaining schedule, this texter writes, and he says or she and I think they have the easiest path to win the North versus the schedules of OSU and Oregon. Now, Washington State, if they do that, I mean, it's it would be one of the great accomplishments in the history of sport. If, if in oh, the middle yeah. of the season they oh, lose yeah. their head coach and four assistants and, and do going. that, that would be, it's incredible. And be Washington State. Smaller school, smaller this and all of that. Yeah. Now, they still have to come, and this is where I might disagree with uh, the easiest schedule. I mean, I get it. But part of that easy schedule, the easiest, he says, is going to Oregon on November 13th, then hosting Arizona, so easy applies there in Pullman, although in this crazy conference this year, yeah, nothing would shock no, me. No. And then the finale is in Seattle at Washington, and the Huskies look like you know, maybe we'll find out a lot this weekend, perhaps, about whether they are mm-hmm. subtly, steadily, quietly getting a little bit better and maybe ready to give the, the, their rival from down our road a game and make it competitive and interesting. But the upshot of all of this is, let's just say for argument's sake, and this is where the age-old question comes in. <laughs> if you, if, if The opening statement is what grabs me here. Beavers went out and Washington State wins out. Cougars won the North. That's true. Let's say, for argument's sake, the Beavers will win out. You know that for the yeah. fun of that argument. Yeah. Then that means you would hope Oregon beats Washington State. They would have, and to. you would root for them to do so. You should. And that is where people, and we've talked about this. I hope that it's still in play that the Beavers are still doing enough things to make all of these types of scenarios relevant and compelling. Years ago. We said in the midst of this great rivalry, mm-hmm. bitter, hateful, spiteful rivalry, we know that it is. Yes. People said there are no circumstances ever, ever under which I could root for Oregon. And you and I both said, well, 
I can think of one. Yeah. Well, and, and people do not accept it. No. Some. If, if a lot of people, even if it means yes. that an Oregon win over a team that's ahead of you, that's in your hair, that's gumming up the works, they still wouldn't root for them. Right. Because it's that distasteful and hateful. Yeah. I'm saying to you that if that helps the Beavers who, in this argument, win out but need somebody to beat Washington State, and nobody has until, you know, if uh, Oregon can do Oregon, it, yeah. then go get it done. Yeah. And beat them and get them out of our hair. Doesn't mean you're, oh, yeah, go Ducks, we love you. No, it means that a win by them could help you, and those are grounds to root for them. Well, in theory, it's not just get them out of your hair, it's get them out of your way. Which is, sounds exactly. like the same thing, but it means get them, like, you can't go without right. them being gone. No, that's right. So, it, is there anybody hearing that? Let's, again, they, we, we're way ahead of ourselves. Let's just be Colorado. Yeah. We'll talk to Jim Wilson about trying to do that yeah. when he joins us next hour. But any of you, is there enough rationality within you to hear that scenario and say, okay, okay, under those circumstances, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It should be clear-cut and simple. If that team down there can help you get to where you want to go by doing something good, you hope for that, don't you? But yet I hear from people, anytime we brought this up over yes. the years, yes. they write or call or text and say, absolutely not. I don't care. There's got to be another way. Let somebody else beat Washington State. <laughs> Let the Huskies do it. That, I that's fine. And I get it. That's fine. But I get it. if you can... If you can guarantee, let's say, <laughs> yeah. if you got an envelope that said Oregon will beat Washington State, right. would you take that yes. before a chance at Washington mm-hmm. doing the job? Right. I would. I would. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would. But it is such a distasteful proposition that I'm sure there's some of you who would call and say, nope, could never do it. Could never do it. Even under the scenario you just painted, that you just laid out, can't do it. And ain't going to do it. Okay. I respect that on a, on, a, on a level of a high principle. But I still think it's mistaken if your end game and goal is to get to the granddaddy yeah. and anybody can help you get there, then you take that help, don't you? Yeah, of course okay. you do. Okay. That's what I would think. Otherwise, it's the ultimate uh, digging your heels in. Dan, to help I've us. done in life before. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work out <laughs> so well. Dan on the downward dog phone line. Again, I hope that all of these conversations are not moot and irrelevant a few weeks from now. Right. That you're still hoping that somebody can beat them because your path is out there. Let's hope so. And I still think there's a good chance of that. Dan, good morning. Morning, guys. Well, I'm one of those guys who probably wouldn't be rooting for uh, the other, mm-hmm. the other for the Ducks, except, uh, you know, my favorite team is whoever is playing the Ducks right. any given Saturday. But uh, in that kind of extreme scenario that you put forth there, I would probably go ahead and, uh, I, I'm not going to say root, but mm-hmm. hope for them to win, but I'd have to wear a wrist brace to keep <laughs> from uh, having a cramp from holding my nose during the entire game, you know, so uh, by doing that, so, yes, but yeah. uh, I guess in an extreme scenario, anything that would be that would really help the bees into a scenario like that. I'd have to go for it. Well, okay? I, I suppose Dan, a compromise to that would be: don't watch it, don't listen to it, and if the outcome was that Oregon <laughs> yeah. did beat him, you could go, well, okay, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll watch the Duck games or listen to them up until it's pretty clear they're going to win, and then I turn it off. You know, I just I listen or watch in the hopes that they're going to get beat. Yeah. But uh, 
you know, and uh, they're a good team. They're fun to watch. You know, you have to admit it to give them their dues. But, uh, yeah, uh, root for them, I think that's that's probably yeah. taking it a little too far. That's a good know? way to look but, at uh, it. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I got you. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for taking the question on. Rooting and hoping, I suppose, is a little different, a little different. than enjoying the outcome if it, yeah, if right. it helps if you. it helps you. Just, in other words, it's kind of that process of watching. You're not going to get in front of the TV. Yeah, and go, yeah, oh, go, yeah, go, yeah, go. Yeah. And, then, and then, yeah, I can see that. And the compromise would be, I'm not going to do it. But if they do and they win, great. We'll take it. A good text on the ratings. Yes, they're up. And he writes, with regards to the World Series ratings, the devil is in the details. Yes, it is up 30% from the low water mark of 2020. But still, this is the third lowest rating in the last 10 years. If you look at the last 40 years, viewership has dropped from over 40 million viewers to its current level. 13 million was the high water mark this year. So to say ratings up 30% leaves out the rest of the story, and that's accurate. Was yeah. that 44 million down to 13? Yes. Yes. I mean, uh, J- Joe, Joe Buck last year during the 2020 series reminded everybody of the 75 Game 6 and Game 7 scenarios, Red Sox-Reds when baseball, even though football had come along and supplanted baseball at that yeah. point as America's most popular sport, in the mid-70s, that classic World Series still drew in over 40 million. People. Wow, and now it's down to 13. That is a sad state of affairs. Shane has written in twice asking about men's and women's basketball. Uh, no to both. No to both. As far as yeah. even any streaming at this point. We're wrapping up hour number one. We'll get to some of your texts. Thank you for sending them our way. We'll try to get them all in. Any calls you might uh, care to share, uh, we look forward to that as well. And a conversation with OSU Hall of Famer Big Jim Wilson coming up right around 1220 today. Next hour on 1240 Joe Radio. Please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with your money now. Ford is apparently the latest U.S. business that will require its salaried employees to be vaccinated against COVID-19. A CNBC report says the automaker yesterday informed its 32,000 salaried workers that they will need to be vaccinated by December 8th or face unpaid leave. As for hourly factory workers, the United Auto Workers has encouraged members to get the shot but has not shown any support for a vaccine mandate. U.S. stocks are moving higher now. The Dow Jones Industrials up 53 points. The S&P 500 up 20. The Nasdaq Composite ahead by 115. Those indexes again in record high territory. U.S. oil prices took a tumble today, though. December crude down more than 3.5%. Restaurants and other service-oriented companies grew rapidly in October as coronavirus cases fell nationwide. An index based on a survey of business executives jumped to a record 66.7% in September. Any reading above 50% signals expansion. That's your money now. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? 
Don't worry. Select quote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-714-6633. That's 1-800-714-6633. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-714-6633. SelectQuote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Cascade Barbecue is serving up the best and freshest smoked meats in the Corvallis and surrounding Willamette Valley area. Featuring its signature soak and smoke style barbecue with our applewood smoked tri-tip, hanging and banging ribs, pulled pork, and wood fire smoked chicken. Cascade is open Tuesday through Sunday, 11 a.m. for dine-in and takeout, and can also accommodate all your tailgating and catering needs. Cascade features a large outside seating area, and be sure to check out their website, CascadeBBQ.org for upcoming events such as live music and weekly trivia. Cascade Barbecue on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. So the wife rolls into the living room. Honey, you need to get off of the couch and get busy on that list of projects I have for you. And I says to her, but I don't have all the equipment. Oh, she rattles off. That's no excuse. You can rent all the tools and equipment you need from Philomath Rental. And since they're open seven days a week, you can go out there today. All right, already. Darn you, Philomath Rental. Philomath Rental, behind Landmark Realty, one and a half miles west of the Sunset Shopping Center. Tools and equipment for farm, home, and business. I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, with another golf minute to help you score better by making more putts. Here's a question. Why do you think most amateurs miss so many short putts? No, it's not because they suck. It's because they try and accelerate too much on the forward stroke, which leads to tension, which leads to either an open or closed putter face, sending the putt offline. This can help. Place the club in front and in back of your putter face, making a track. Practice stroking putts inside the track. After you have completed making a practice stroke, hold the finish and slowly lower the putter head to the ground. The keyword being slowly. Your hands and arms must be relaxed in order to do this. Plus, once your putter head is down on the ground, look to see if the face is square or not. So remember, make more putts by getting the tension out of your stroke by slowly lowering your putter to the ground. So slow that your golf shirt should be out of style after your putting practice. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. It's not magic that we'll deliver one billion packages to homes across the country this holiday. It's the United States Postal Service. And we don't need a team of reindeer to do it because we've added more vehicles to our fleet. And while we don't come down your chimney, we can pick up presents for you and yours. So if making more holiday deliveries to homes in the U.S. than anyone else seems like magic, that means we're doing our job. Share the magic at usps.com helpers. Did you know that United Healthcare helps connect you to doctors and therapists with 24-7 access to virtual care? So I could have therapy from my couch? Yep. Or a doctor appointment from my car? If you wanted to. Wait, you're right. I don't even like when people see me sing in the car. Couch appointment it is. Virtual visits are just one of the ways United Healthcare helps connect you to better health. Learn more at UHC.com. Plan benefits may vary. Hey, Siri. Uh-huh? Take me to the Joe Beaver Show, 1240 Joe Radio. One option is Joe Crow Reservoir in Oregon. Is that the one you're looking for? No. Which the Joe Beaver? The Joe Beaver Show, 1240 Joe Radio. On it.
It's a destination people have sought for generations. Are we near Oregon? And take my wagon train to the Willamette Valley in Oregon. Be sure to come prepared. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated too. Right on the arm. And with the proper gear. Shall we select our masks? And even in this exacting age. Everything you say comes back to bite you. Come ready to contribute, even if your own son has his doubts. Dad and his mysterious phone calls. <laughs> Remembering what a call to Joe can do. Those phone calls put you through college. As you draw closer, note the surrounding characters. And know this, John and Mike will celebrate when you get here. All right, looks like we're here. I'm appreciative, Siri. Indeed you are. Thank you. No problem. And we are quite appreciative, too, Siri, getting you here to the Joe Beaver Show. We're going to be calling a friend here in a moment who texted me something that I'd forgotten all about, uh, this experience. I think will be a, a useful anecdote. Uh, Relative to the World Series, Lee in Portland writes, when I get to Folsom Field Saturday, I will recite the famous Ned Beatty line from Rudy. Mike, what is it exactly? We'll be at the game. My daughter is a 5'9 sophomore engineering major who chose Colorado over offers from Oregon State and UC Irvine. But what sport, Lee in Portland? A 5'9 sophomore engineering major. So you're saying, <laughs> you're just giving me, it's not a sport. She chose the Colorado engineering program over Oregon State and UC Irvine, if I'm reading you correctly. And Lee, just to answer your question, Ned Beatty walks into Notre Dame Stadium for the first time seeing it with his own eyes in person and says, this is the greatest sight these eyes have ever <laughs> seen or something of that, the most beautiful yeah. sight these eyes have ever seen. More beautiful than his family. Yeah, exactly. I remember thinking, eh, a little over the top. Well, he wasn't very nice. Mrs. Ned Beatty may not, you yeah, know, you know how she feels about that. <laughs> it's still a memorable line. Okay, Shane, we got that. We're going to go to Steve Carruthers in a moment. Another texter says, Major League Baseball moving the All-Star game from Atlanta, but pretending that never happened during the World Series confirmed that MLB is fraudulent. I heard a little bit along those lines last night, people mm -hmm. expressing similar opinions. Uh, Phil Miller or Curtis writes, I cheer for the team down the road as long as it does not affect us. So he's a much more, that's much more open-minded than any world we well, live there, in There's here. a lot. There's, and a, lot there's a lot of people who people do, do root that. for both. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know that it doesn't sit well with me at times when I've come through a miserable defeat and somebody will say to me, well, yeah, well, Oregon won as if, <laughs> oh, well, I feel so much better now. Thanks for reminding me of that. But <laughs> yeah. I know people in that, in that realm, and there are a lot of them. They're not invested the like you teams. and I are. No, they're not. In theory, writes Phil Miller from Lebanon, in theory I could wish for an Oregon, an Oregon win over Wazoo, except that game comes ahead of our ability to know of that outcome being needed to get OSU to win the North, so not likely to root for the other team from our state. Now, we're going to get Steve Carruthers on the line, the downward dog phone line. Steve just texted me. Did it go right to voicemail? Gosh. I mean, I, I was he, he giving, the, giving the caveat that we had a little bit of business. Steve Carruthers just texted me moments ago, a few minutes ago, yeah. a photograph of none other than Johnny Dusty Baker with a fish in Steve's boat on the Siletz River. 
Now, I do not know enough about fish, Doc. Uh, I, I, a steelhead? I mean, I, I don't know. I have That's never okay. caught whatever it was that Dusty caught on the Solettes. But Steve Carruthers had told us, uh, you, me both, about yeah. how he connected with Dusty and took him on a fishing trip to the Solettes River and maybe some other fisheries, too. I don't know the answer to that. That's cool. But a guy that does is Steve Carruthers on the Oregon State baseball staff as an assistant director of ops with Jake Rodriguez and a, just a tremendous baseball man. He just lost him. Okay, he's having trouble. He did tell me that... Uh, his phone was acting He said up. something to the effect that he's calling again now. I'm this putting him straight the, on. The third time. Steve, are okay, you there? there? We Can we hear? Steve, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. Thank right. you. Okay. Thanks for making it work. So, in the, midst of this, in, in the midst of this Dusty Baker talk, you sent me a text of a photograph that you took of the Astros manager in a boat on the Solettes River. Therein hangs a yep. tale. What's the story, Steve? How did that come about? Well, I got a... Um... I got a call from the athletic department, and they said that he wanted to go fishing. So my name happened to pop up, of course, because I do that. And so um, they said, hey, if we give you Dusty your number, would you be interested in taking him fishing? And he was up to see his son play. I believe it was 17. I think I think it was 17. Anyway, um, 2017. I said, sure. So he called me. And he asked me if we, if there's any fishing and where we go. And I said, well, we go on the Sluts River. It's, it's a little bit late, but there's usually fish on there. And uh, yeah, we could go. Well, his deal was, I want to go, but I got to be back for batting practice. His son was playing second base for Cal. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, sure. So, ironically enough, I pick him up uh, at the motel. I think it was about six thirty or seven. We drive over. He's, he's got a ride in my drift boat, which is painted orange and black with a big beaver head on it. <laughs> and uh, he's got a ride in that boat. And he he was a – I mean, I, I've had a lot of fun fishing with the guy, but that guy had story after story about life and his life and baseball and was interested in mine. And so we get down to the first hole, and I fished in this river, and he asked me how long I'd fished here. And I said, I started fishing on this river in 73 with my father. And he was um, uh, talking to me about that. And I said, if we're going to catch one out of this hole, we're going to catch it right here with this tree's leaning out. <laughs> and so we row down there, and pretty quick, like, boom, we get one, and we, we fight it, and we get into the into the boat, and it was a native steelhead, so we had to turn it loose. And we go on down the river a little bit further. I said, well, if we get one here, it's going to be here. We didn't get one, and then we didn't get one. And the one that in the picture... I said, we're going to go from left to right. There's a rock shelf right there. And if we get one, it'll be right at the edge of that rock shelf right there. And sure enough, boom, we get one. And he gets it, and he reels it in, and he's holding it up there. And he said, well, I said, what do you want to do with it? Because we could keep that one. And he said, uh, well, he said, I'd like to keep it, but I don't know what I'd do with it. i got to go someplace else after watching these series. Um, I said, well. What's the other option? I said, well, we can just turn it loose. You know, that's no big deal. So that's what we did. We turned the fish loose. And, uh, but he had story upon story, of course, toothpick in his mouth. <laughs> Talked about his days in high school. He said he got in trouble one time, uh, went steelhead fishing instead of basketball or something. Uh, really a class, really a class act. 
beyond, you know, he's in a, he's in a beaver boat and then I put him in a green rain jacket. So I really kind of rubbed it in probably a little bit, but, um, he was just a class act. So he said, well, what time can we get off the river in time to get back to watch his son bat in practice? I said, well, absolutely. So we did. And it was, it was absolutely great. So when he got into the world series, I texted him and I said, Hey, when this thing, uh, it's your buddy from Oregon. He texted me back and says, "No problem, and I'll get a hold of you." Nice. So he gave me yeah. his family's in the wine business, and he gave me a bottle of wine. He gave me one of his hats from his winery. But the guy is just a total, a total class act. I had a ball with him. I mean, it, it was something that you can't even. I mean, that's a, that's something that's just great for me to get be able to do that. Oh, Steve, and then, yeah. That's tremendous. That's yeah. a great story. But back to to the very first part of it, how yeah yeah how is it though that the, you said the, the athletic department? I mean, did Dusty drop or offer to say, "When I come to Oregon, I'd like to go fishing"? I mean, who knew that to get a hold of you to ask you to take him out? I mean, that's just not information oh, you're going to know. Yeah, he asked uh, Scott Barnes reached out to me and said he was interested in going. And I don't know if he talked to Case, Pat Casey, mm-hmm. or what, but he he did that. And another thing that was kind of ironic, after we caught those two fish were floating down the river, he said to me, he says, how do you know, Steve, how did you know those fish were going to bite right there? I said, I've fished this river and this section of this river a million times. I said, how do you know to store what pitch and what batter <laughs> and what situation? Yeah. And he looks at me and he goes, he, said, I, he looks at me and he goes, I guess it's basically no different. Right. I said, you're exactly right. It's not any different. You know, I do this all the time, and I've had success doing that, and you've had success doing what you do. I mean, he was, he was wonderful. Yeah. Steve, did you, you mentioned that he did listen to you. Did you get a chance to tell, because you've got great stories yourself, and, and your time in baseball and your time in the state. Did, 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 was he interested in some of the stories you had? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talked about, um, well, about everything that, you know, about me and my involvement with Oregon State and then where I came from, you know, uh, Shed, Oregon and all that stuff. Yeah, he was he was like, we just basically talked about both of our lives and he was really, um, and you know, you know, I, I've never been around people that are much like that level, you know, mm-hmm. I guess, I guess you'd call it that level, mm-hmm. but he was, he was, uh, you know, because I've met Sam Elliott also. And um, uh, both those guys are are just opposite of what you would think some of those guys would be. Yeah. They were both wonderful. And so, yeah. So I said I said that to him. He said, "You know, that makes total sense, Steve." I said, "Well, I don't know what to tell you." <laughs> Steve, <laughs> yeah. <it> worked. <laughs> yeah. Hey, great well, story. Did the subject Thanks of for Pat it. and the three championships and being in the Northwest? Did, did he? Did you talk to him at all about uh, about Pat Casey? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he. He, you know, he has total respect for Pat. He, you know, he, he, you know, of course he knew him, obviously. And he, um, yeah, I mean, he, the, the Beaver program, I mean, the, the guy is such a class act that I, I don't know how to even describe it. It was, it was pretty yeah. crazy on how, how we got along and how, I mean, he wanted to know about my family. He wanted, he talked about his dad, his family, his coaches when he was in high school. Um, he talked about all that stuff. That's really cool, Steve. Awesome. Hey, thanks for taking time for us. We're going to get Big Jim Wilson on here after you, but thank you for, for okay. thinking of us to send us that photo, and we're all going to pull for Dusty right. to get one someday. He, de- he deserves one, yeah. no doubt. 
Yeah, I review team for him. I was hoping he'd get her done. Yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. Great to hear from you. Steve Carruthers, our guest. We will break and come back with OSU Hall of Famer Big Jim Wilson on 1240 Joe Radio. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the glass man. Do you have a rock chip in your windshield that's bugging you? Stop by or give me a call. For Auto Glass Solutions, better call the Glass Man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the Glass Man. Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid-Valley. Trump's has the area's largest selection of radio control cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it. Drive it. Fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. If you're expecting family or guests this fall or during the holidays, maybe you don't have a place for them to sleep. A futon from Futon Man in Corvallis is the perfect solution. Futon Man has quality constructed solid hardwood frames in lots of styles and finishes, and their futons have a highly resilient, long-lasting foam core, and they're made right in the store in Corvallis. There's lots of cover choices, too. And students, a futon works great when you need some extra space in your dorm. Stop by Futon Man, two miles north of Corvallis on Highway 99 and online at futon-man.com. Have you seen Highland Bowl's expanded Strike Zone Lounge? Stop by for a burger, pizza, a hot or a cold sandwich, or a salad. There's appetizers and snacks, too. And the prices are so low on beer and spirits, it's like happy hour all day. Enjoy your favorite Oregon lottery games, too. Highland Bowl. It isn't just for bowlers anymore. Stop by and check out the expanded Strike Zone Lounge at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We set them up, you knock them down. Rhodes Ward and an independent, locally owned insurance agency can provide health, home, auto, business, and farm coverage from many of the nation's top insurance carriers. The professionals at Rhodes Warden will customize a plan to fit your needs. Stop in or go to their website to see all the companies they represent and find a helpful array of information and services on the web at RhodesWardenINS.com. Rhodes Warden in Albany, Lebanon, and State. Rhodes Warden Insurance Agency, you can depend on Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, board games, collectibles, card sleeves, playmats, and more. Have you been to Kraken Cards yet? If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. Kraken Cards knowledgeable staff can help you find what you're looking for and at fair market value. And for you Oregon State fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box to browse. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd, downtown Corvallis. Kraken Cards, your connection to everything fun. 1240 Joe Radio. We continue on this Wednesday afternoon. Mike Parker with John Warren and joined been an every other week proposition. We could talk to Jimmy every week about matchups and the upcoming game for the Beavs, but we do not want to presume upon the OSU Hall of Famer's good nature. 
but we do, I, I always covet his insight and breakdown and knowledge. He prepares so thoroughly. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing what he has to say about what the Beavers are up against, the biggest challenge in Boulder Saturday. Doc. I'll just preclude that by saying Jimmy and I, and you, but Jimmy and I are brothers in arms when it comes to he was at the 32-and-a-half, and the official put it back at the 30-yard line. Oh, yeah, yeah, and you even asked Jonathan about that at his presser, and it didn't make much of an impression on Jonathan because Jonathan, I'd it was sort of an that. irrelevant play to the game, and it didn't really matter in the long run. I know, but enough of them, Jimmy, are adding up. Would Let, you not let's, agree? Let's start with that and see what Jim has to say before we get to the nuts and bolts of Colorado. Jim, what do you make of placements of footballs? You and I look at each other and are oftentimes bemused by what we see. Well, yeah, the one last week was funny because uh, your your call, you know, uh, Javon Bradford with the fair catch at the 32-yard line, and that's where the Beavers yeah. will start their drive. <laughs> and we go to break, and we come back, and during the break, the rep just grabs it at the 32 and moves it back to the 30. And the only thing I could think of was, you know, it's where you control the ball, and maybe they, they said to themselves, yeah, he bobbled it on the catch at the 32, stepped backward to the 30, where he officially um, possessed the football or something like that. But I don't think he, he bobbled the ball whatsoever. I just think they just moved it back yeah. uh, for one reason or another. Uh, it, it'd be nice. We, you know, they tell us in the most obvious of ways, you know, when the quarterback is he's scrambling, he's 10 yards out of the pa- uh, tackle pocket, um, and – they say this is not a grounding call. Mm-hmm. The quarterback is out of the out of the pocket. Yeah, yeah, we got it. But how about something that you can tell us? We're moving the ball back two yards <laughs> because we felt like it, right. or whatever. Just tell us. Let us know why you moved the ball back. Yeah, and yards. and not to belabor the point, but I was listening to you guys while watching the game. Saw it right at the time you mentioned it, uh, even before that. And I actually, it was the thirty-two and a half. I went back after you went to break. And replayed it, and not only did he not go back to the 30 with any kind of momentum, his body never, ever, ever broke the 32 close to the 31. He was standing over it, around it, handed the ball to the official, and they set it back two, two and a half yards, yards. Two yards at least, yeah. It's, it's yeah a, well, it, that's where he handed him the ball at right. the 30. It's a mystery. It's a mystery, Jimmy. And an inexact science, too, based on how often we look down, see the ball placed, and someone will take it and move it a half yard back or yeah. a half yard up. What do you have a sense? I said yesterday on the show, maybe it has something to do with they're trying to match it up with the chains on the sideline. But again, if so, it tells me that it's quite inexact in nature. Yeah, you know, sometimes the ball will be like it. You know, it'll be three inches short of the twenty, and so when play resumes, it the ball's on the twenty, and then the stick's on the twenty, and it just makes it very clean. And it, you know. Uh, yeah, okay, I, you know, I get it, but you know, if every time it's going the same direction or what, it's such a game of inches that you would right. hate to think that that uh, you know the three inches where you know you actually had to pick up nine yards and and uh, you know whatever thirty three inches. Then I don't know. I, I just wish that, that, the spotting of the football just anyway is a rough thing. You know, sometimes you look at the ref and you'll think. How can he mark this one where he's at standing? How does he know where that ball was mm-hmm. based on where he's standing? And but they, you know, by and large, that's what they're paid to do, and and they they do a, a pretty good job. But yes, I mean, we we could go back to the game in Seattle and talk about spotting. It's just an inexact science. Uh, but the ones 
like on that punt where they just decide, well, no, not the 32, it's going to be the 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, those ones are just our head scratchers. As bewildering as all of that was, that was the least of the Beavers' troubles yeah. in Berkeley. Jim, what yeah, were... and that's why Johnson, yeah. you know, just sort of, yeah. Right. You know, I don't even know if he saw it, you know, because he's busy doing other stuff. Exactly. And his offense out, getting ready for first down. You know, and he's not watching the refs to see if they cheat him out of two yards. Jimmy, if that was the least of their problems, what was the most of their problems? What What was the biggest issue that you saw Saturday in Berkeley? Turnovers. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just such a big deal in a football game, and the Beavers had three. And, and that, you know, that was, that was the biggest single, um, I think, determiner in the game. You know, obviously the first one. Um, but, uh, you know, there was two more, uh, and then, you know, I'd like to say the block punt because it was such a momentum play. Probably the second thing was the block punt. And then, um, you know, obviously the defense struggled. I mean, another team had 517 yards and 32 first downs and they were 13 for 19 on third down. So if you could start with that as the biggest fixable thing i mean the thing that you know okay you point to something but yeah i mean it all i think it was just all of it, 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 it maybe just getting off the bus was the biggest problem they just just didn't play a good football game and and cal did and the the end result was the 14 point loss jimmy right now the biggest problem is third down defensively in in some ways third down offense but third down defense how does it get better i know they're banged up and very young in the secondary but is that all of the problem? Oh, no, I wouldn't say that's it. I, I mean, I don't think a lot of guys are winning their individual battles. I don't I don't see one of our defensive linemen, that, you know, clearly if he's one-on-one, he's going to get to the quarterback. Or uh, you're, you're not seeing any guy, hey, he is a shutdown uh, defensive back or anything like that. But collectively, I'd say tackling. If the Beavers just tackle when they have the opportunity to tackle, sometimes – and when I say that opportunity, you know, you're being blocked. you got a guy hanging on you, and all you have is one arm to kind of just try to make a play. You're not in position to make the tackle. Your problem was not defeating your block. That's where your problem was. But when the Beavers are in position to tackle, they've been put in position there, they're there, and they don't make the tackle, that's, I think, the biggest single issue that's fixable. I, I saw guys oftentimes, and a lot of a lot of it the defensive backs in support of the run, but tackling I think is the biggest single issue on defense that the Beavers could could improve on. Jim is tackling as in basketball. We hear Scott Ruick and Wayne and others talk about rebounding is all. It's not so much it's positioning and technique, but there's also a will, <laughs> the, the willingness, the physicality to go get it. Jaden Grant was with us last hour, Jim. And he said, Cal, he said, Cal wanted it more than we did. We weren't as physical as we need to be and should be. He said, that wasn't us. You're going to see a better version of us, essentially, Saturday in Boulder. Is there an element of that, too? Is tackling partly will, not just the technique you're using, but having the scrappiness, I guess, to get the guy down? No, no doubt. I mean, form tackling, when you think about it, how many form tackles are there in a game? <laughs> There's just not. I mean, you're talking about Pac-12 offensive players. They're not going to give you a clean shot. You're not. A, they're not tackling dummies. Uh, sometimes you just got to get it done. And I, I'm going to give you an example of I think what Jaden Grant's talking about. He probably wasn't talking about this specifically, but one of the biggest offensive plays in the game, a non-turnover play, 
was when Oregon State had either first and goal or second and goal at, on the in the red zone on in, inside the ten. First, uh, I think it was first and goal. They went with a toss pitch to the right, and the Cal defender Josh Strade, number twenty, he came up. He went down through the blocker and tripped up. Uh, I think it was Baylor for a two-yard loss. He went through the defender and tripped up the the um, carrier. How many times did Cal run the toss sweep? Three or four. And each time the corner came up and just kind of got just blocked out to the side, cut up. Then the Cal running back cuts up. Just effort. Just just giving yourself up mm. and making that play. Uh, it happened also, I think, on the first play of the game where the corner on the left side, he came up and he kind of just submarine the blocker, and then that's what uh, uh, turned, uh, flipped uh, BG over and a subsequent uh, turnover. So I just thought that the effort, you really saw it. I'm not tr- calling out the beaver, but I really saw the positive side on the Cal mm-hmm. defensive backs mm-hmm. coming up in force and making a play. And it, it just is like, wow. You know, that was a huge play. Oregon State ended up kicking a field goal. One of the best teams in the country in Jonathan Smith's era at getting in the end zone, you know, in the red zone. And, and that play put it made it second and 12 or something mm-hmm. like that, and the Beavers never did get in the end zone. One other thing that I noticed, Jimmy, when it comes to fundamentals is even the best, Avery Roberts, will they'll get past their blocker or they'll get into the backfield and then run either over commit. There was one defensive end committing towards the running back down the line. This might have been, well, this was this game. And then the running back or the quarterback went around him for the for the touchdown. Chase Garbers on one play. But there's there's a, a tendency, and this isn't just the Beavers. It, it happens a lot because it's a fundamental play. And a lot of times guys don't do fundamentals. And that is being great at getting past your blocker, uh, pursuing and then running right by the guy you want to tackle instead of stop, square up, and then make the tackle. Do you know what I mean? I do. Uh, the one thing uh, about – I think a lot of missed tackles that I've seen this year have actually come on the opposing quarterback. And uh, you're talking about you know, maybe corners coming on blitz off the edge, a defensive end, uh, a defensive tackle. Uh, in some of those cases, a guy like Jaden Delora or Chase Garbers is a better athlete. Than, than a defensive lineman, generally speaking. And, and so th- those are easier to, to overlook uh, just because of the, you know, if, if I'm supposed to tackle a guy that's faster and quicker than me, that's going to be hard. But when you send those defensive backs or the linebackers, I mean, Omar had a, a big miss on Garbers on a, what would have been a third down stop with a sack, and he ends up shaking uh, Omar, throws a little touchdown pass, and, and, and helped break the Beavers back. Uh, so, so anyway, it's, it's getting back to my just original point, if the Beavers just can tackle when they have the opportunity to tackle, I think everything else will take care of itself. Jim Wilson with us for a few more minutes. We'll get to Colorado proper in just a moment. But one other thing about the Cal game and, and people weighing in on, well, Cal is showing the blueprint how to beat the Beavers. They hold them to 134. They stack the box. The be- is that accurate, Jim? Is or are they just a good defense, or did they have a plan to take away the first play of the game, indicative of how the day was going to go? You expect other teams to follow, quote unquote, a blueprint that Cal showed. That blueprint was uh, started by Purdue. Um, Hawaii tried it. Idaho tried it. USC tried it. Uh, Washington tried it. Washington State tried it. I mean, that's the blueprint. <laughs> the, the blueprint. Everybody's done that. 
that's literally been what Oregon State's been facing all year. Uh, Cal just executed it better. Cal has good defense. They, they, they have for several years, and they've got some good bodies in there, and they've got some, uh, some physicality. They're uh, well coached on that side of the ball. I mean, Will Cox is a defensive guy. Uh, so, yeah, the, the blueprint's not anything new. Ooh, oh, really? Oregon <laughs> State likes to run the ball? I think we'll just stop to run that. You know, I, I don't think that, that just dawned on, on anybody. And, and so, uh, you know, maybe Cal showed something specifically that uh, maybe another opponent did. If they did, I didn't see what that was. Uh, but that's kind of been the plan by everybody. And that's why Brian Lindgren has thrown as much as he's thrown because – you know, even that Washington State game or the Washington game, when Oregon State's running the ball, they're running it, but there's so many bodies at the line of the scrimmage that they feel that Brian Lindgren and their staff offensively when they're calling plays, they feel, hey, we can take a shot here. We, we've got an advantage. Let's try to take take a shot. But, uh, yeah, no, I, as far as the blueprint, I, I think that blueprint, it, it, that blueprint is the blueprint that what's, what's the beaver plan this week? No, they're going to stack the box yeah. defensively. Right. Stack the box, take away the run, make the other team throw. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> that's that's the plan. You know what yeah. was the plan against Cal? Stack the box, take mm-hmm. away the run, make them throw. Yep. Make make Garber stay in the pocket. You know. And so anyway, it's all about execution. It always has been, and and always will be. What about Colorado then, and how they will challenge this team both ways on the offense and the defense, Jim? What have you? What have you seen from them as you prepare for the Buffaloes and Beavs Saturday? Well, I like to talk matchups, and if Oregon State, I, I worry that this matchup is just too good because Oregon State wants to flex their muscles and run the football. And Cal running opponents have run for 171 a game against them. That's ninth in the Pac-12. And I don't think they're all of a sudden going to get better at it without their best linebacker and best player in the heart and soul of their defense Nate Landman, I, I'm understanding he's not going to play. Right. Um, so I, I think that's a great matchup because that's what Oregon State wants to do, and I think they're going to come out and try to do it, and I think they are going to come out and do it. On the other side, that Oregon State defense with all their woes on third downs, well, guess who's coming to town or guess who they're playing? A Colorado offense that's dead last in the Pac-12 in total yards, first downs, in passing yards. Uh, in third down conversions, they're like 10th to 32%. So if there was ever a get well time or a good well, get well opponent for this defense, they'll be seeing it Saturday. So in terms of the matchup, I mean, you're, you've got everything you want. You got a, uh, you know, a deep, an offense that's been woeful, quite frankly, all season long. Last week was their best effort of the year, but just two weeks ago against Cal, they had 104 total yards right. and seven first downs. So I'm not ready to anoint them um, as, as a top-notch offense. So I just love the matchup. I, Oregon State just needs to play Oregon State football. And um, I, I love hearing what Jaden Grant and those guys are saying because this is, a, this is a big one. It really is an important, very critical game for this Beaver season. So you don't put a great deal of stock then on 29 points and more productivity from Brendan Lewis and getting the ball to Brendan Rice, five catches, 102 yards. Was the horse out of the barn at that point, 28-7, and therefore stats don't mean as much to you, Jim, from that game? Uh, I think the Duck players were on Instagram on the sidelines. From the go-get, I think it was 21-0 and 21-7 and 28-7 and 
then uh, 20, 35-7, then 35-14. It was never a game. And uh, the Colorado offense looked good. But, nah, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that Oregon State can't win. I, one of my biggest worries is people are talking about, or I will be actually talking a lot about the 2018 game when Oregon State went to Boulder. I, if I was Colorado, I'd be talking about that a lot too, mm-hmm. because that was a five and two Colorado team being visited by a one and six maybe Oregon State team, and guess who won the game? The, the one and six team, and, and so Colorado, I, I think they, they they can win. There's no question that they can win, but not if Oregon State shows up and plays plays a good game. Oregon State is clearly the better football team. Jimmy, thanks for the time, as always. Uh, we'll do it again probably in two weeks, although we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we appreciate you being, being available to us to break these things down as well as you do. And always appreciate it, Jim. We'll see you in Boulder this weekend. You bet. Thanks. Thanks, Jimmy. OSU Hall of Famer Jim Wilson on a brief lunch break at his post up at uh, Fort Vancouver High School in Vancouver, USA. Young TJ is back. And he has brought back sound from Avery Roberts and Tim Tibisar. We spoke with Jaden Grant, and I think he also got Jaden in the pool scenario. But we have time to get to the audio that uh, TJ has gathered. So we'll do that next as we continue on the Joe Beaver Show. We'll get a, a, a thought from uh, young TJ about the compelling nature of the 2021 World Series and how much he watched of it, who he was rooting for and why. My guess is he watched all of it. I don't think so. No, that won't be Because he's young and he loves baseball. He does love baseball. But I will be interested in his breakdown of the aesthetics of the series, the word being thrown around in our table last night. We were out, a bunch of friends, and the word dud came up from saying, it's been a dud of a series. Now, from the Braves' perspective, they have nothing to apologize for. They went out and did it, and they yeah. got it. They're never going to, oh, yeah, that we, we won the series, but it was kind of a dud. No, I don't think the Braves or their fans will ever look at it that way. But for us, the great multitude, the great unwashed, it might that description may have been apt because there wasn't a lot of high drama in it. Right. Yeah, the seven-game series between the Braves and Twins in 91, every game had in each game, probably more than that whole series we just saw combined. <laughs> we come back with more on 1240 Joe Radio. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. Dave's Performance Hybrids is the Willamette Valley's Prius experts and your Toyota dealer alternative. Dave's Performance Hybrids specializes in Prius sales, Prius service, and Prius batteries, but also services all other Japanese brand cars, trucks, and SUVs. Get peace of mind before you hit the road with Dave's Guardian Full Vehicle Inspection Report so you know about possible failures before they occur. With over 120 years of experience under one roof, you'll get expert service every time. Off I-5 at Highway 20 in Albany, online at davesperformancehybrids.com. Your locally owned and operated Qdoba Mexican Eats in Corvallis, Salem, and Eugene are hiring now. Qdoba is currently looking to add new and flavorful talent to their restaurant teams. New hires can earn $14 to $15 per hour. 
you'll also enjoy great perks, including benefits, free employee meals, and a flexible schedule. Students are welcome to apply. Call or stop by the Corvallis, Salem, or Eugene Qdoba today to learn more and apply. Qdoba Mexican Eats is an equal opportunity employer. It's time to think about a holiday greeting card. And at Wise Photo Printing, they have a large notebook of design ideas to choose from. So bring in a favorite picture, pick a design, and Wise Photo Printing will build your card for free. Stop by in their new location at 6th and Adams next to Ball Studios in downtown Corvallis or online at wisephotoprinting.com. Wise Photo Printing, helping you get it done. Master the mealtime rush with a refrigerator that helps you cut down on clutter. The Whirlpool four-door refrigerator keeps groceries in sight and easy to find. From easy-reach shelves to a flexible ice bin, see how the four sleek compartments help keep ingredients organized so that you can get dinner on the table. Visit Kellenberger Appliance to learn more. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street, Lebanon, serving all our appliance needs since 1918. Visit Kellenberger Appliance today. Luxury Vinyl Plank Flooring is really popular right now, and Corvallis Floor Covering carries several different brands. LVP Flooring is waterproof, durable, very affordable, and mimics the look and texture of real wood. Window coverings are an easy way to update a room, and Corvallis Floor Covering has new fashion looks by Hunter Douglas and Norman Window Fashions. Stop by and browse through their large showroom. They're at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beavs! Middleton Heating has kept Mid-Valley residents comfortable for over 72 years. Middleton can service, repair, or replace all types of brands of heating and cooling equipment. Plus, they offer financing options on new equipment and also participate in state and federal incentive programs. If your heating unit is giving you trouble, if you have kitchen or dryer venting needs, or if you're just looking for some sheet metal, call Middleton Heating today. You can count on Middleton Heating for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Find them online at middletonheating.net. All right, we've got some audio coming up. Answer uh, Amy's uh, text, but to lead into that, I remember in 1969 as a four-year-old being told there's this really, really neat show that's coming on. It's really neat. You're going to love it. It was called Sesame Street. And one of the things I, I remember from that, lo, these 50-some-odd years ago, was the which one of these things doesn't belong with the other. <laughs> and I think Jimmy Lake kind of brought us to that world. I don't think he invoked MIT, but he did invoke a few other schools that I don't think Washington is quite up to par with. Well, it, 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 thank you for that recollection. I never saw Sesame Street. I mean, I, I know of the show, but I ne I've never seen one from start to finish in my life. I think it came, I was older. Did it start in 69? Yeah, I don't know. 70. Okay. I remember nieces and nephews you would have been watching it. You would have been 12. But it was a lit. So I, I just don't oh, yeah. know the, no, the milieu. Too, you were too well, old for it. Washington coach, here's a, Amy to answer your question before we hear from Tim Tibisaw and Avery Roberts. The headline from Wilner, uh, the guru of the Pac-12 when it comes to journalists. The, the headline reads, Washington coach Jimmy Lake's comment about Oregon's academic prowess wasn't smart and can't be defended. So here. <laughs> Here's how he begins his story on this, Amy, to answer your question. Amy said, what exactly did Jimmy Lake say? She doesn't re doesn't pay for Wilner, we do, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So here's what Wilner wrote. Washington coach Jimmy Lake has accomplished something we never thought possible. Blow a fourth quarter lead. <laughs> Blow a fourth quarter lead and lose at home to Montana. Well, yes, <laughs> but not that. 
oversee Washington's first loss to Oregon State in a decade? He did that too, but no. For the conference road game, despite going 59 minutes and 30, uh, win a conference road game despite going 59 minutes and 39 seconds without a touchdown? Not that either. In an unprecedented feat, Lake managed to turn Oregon and its head coach, Mario Cristobal, into sympathetic figures. <laughs> Oregon, you know, he's writing like Tom Wolfe now in Bonfire. Oregon, exclamation point. With its Nike money and Nike facilities and Nike uniform combinations and Nike partnerships and the Nike money. Mario Cristobal, exclamation mark. With his back-to-back Pac-12 titles and recruiting supremacy and number four playoff ranking. Yes, here they are, minding their own business in Eugene, (laughs) preparing for the showdown in Seattle this weekend, only to have Lake take a pot shot at the academic prowess, in quotes, of Oregon's football program. Whether it was intentional or not, Lake did exactly that Monday at his weekly news conference. Asked whether, asked whether Oregon is Washington's chief recruiting rival, the second-year coach declined to take any number of high roads and instead said this, quote, Our battles are really, the schools that we go against are way more, have academic prowess, like the University of Washington. Notre Dame, Stanford, USC. We go with a lot of battles, toe-to-toe, all the way to the end with those schools. So I think that's made up in your world. In our world, we battle more academically prowess teams, unquote. The next paragraph, Wilner writes, is, whoa. (laughs) And we won't go any more into it. Amy, you could research it out on your own, maybe even plug in. If you want to read more, it's there. Not necessarily the best play. On Lake's part, and Wilner goes on to say, the hotlines defended Lake repeatedly on social media against calls for his job, but what he said Monday cannot be defended. That's Wilner, anyway. On Not real smart. So that's their lookout, their world. I like it, though. Yeah, you like it because you like the rivalry to be spiced up. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like uh, drama in football. There's no okay. drama anymore. Let's go to Tim Tibisar, Oregon State defensive coordinator, inside linebackers coach. Get his thoughts that TJ gleaned, and then we'll hear from uh, Avery himself, Avery Roberts, and then close with a thought from young TJ about the 2021 World Series, the Fall Classic. Here's Tibisar. Not everybody at once. Any uh, concerning trends the last couple games here defensively? Uh, just, I mean, continuing to work on our third downs. I think that's been something that's been uh, not just in the last couple of games, but all season long that we got to continue to work on and get better at. That would be the biggest thing. And then uh, probably the last two games, we have not had a takeaway. And that's, you know, concerning. It's been a point of emphasis and, and trying to make our guys aware of it. And it's our job as a defense to create takeaways. And, and so, uh, you know, continuing to focus on those two areas will go a long way and help us improve our results on Saturday. And of course, there had been some some takeaways, you know, previously. Was For that sure. was that uh, just kind of surprising to see that happen the last few games? You know, uh, takeaways. Uh, it's kind of usually they kind of come in streaks and stuff like that at times, and you, you you get a bunch in a game, and then all of a sudden you go a game that you don't have any, and so hopefully we can have another game where we we get a bunch of them. When you look at takeaways, do you look at them more as you forcing an opportunity, or maybe tr- factor in a little luck as well? For- well, it's a little bit of both. You know, I mean, you know, we did a huge study last spring on uh, takeaways, both in our conference and in the Big Ten conference. And, uh, you know, 
uh, you know, about 20% of them are unforced errors that just happen, and those you have no control over, and some teams get lucky and get some of those, and, and some don't. But, you know, what you can control is, is the ones that, that you do take the ball away and you force it, you put pressure on the football, both with contact and those types of things and strip attempts on the quarterback, and then obviously attacking the ball in the air for interceptions. And so uh, there's a little bit of both that, that come into play, but yeah, about 20% or so uh, of the takeaways have nothing to do with the defense and have you know the offense making an error or dropping the ball or putting the ball on the ground. Heading into last week, the defense had made a ton of plays in the, in the backfield, getting a bunch of tackles for loss, and then last week you only record one. Was that something that Cal was doing in their blocking schemes or was that just lack of execution? A little bit of both. You know, I mean, I thought they played one of their best games of the season, and uh, I thought they did a really good job blocking us up front and being able to uh, handle our movements and our twists and those types of things. And uh, and then we had a, a lack of execution. I thought it was one of our our worst games of the year on defense and the amount of details and all those things that go into it and being able to execute and and get in the backfield and cause havoc. And so you know that was something that uh, you know we got to keep working on and improve. Statistically, the defense has uh, been less effective on the road than at home. Is that something that you're seeing anything particularly on tape or anything you attribute that to? No, I don't. I, you know, I mean, I think, you know, that it's uh, 120 yards uh, both at home and on the road. Um, and, and so I, I just, it, it might just be the opponent, that type of thing. I, I don't think that if there, there's anything like two that, hey, we can't play on the road or anything like that, that I've noticed. And, and so, like, obviously, last week we did not play well, period, as a football team. And, you know, you got minus three on the takeaways and a block punt that you give up, and it's going to be hard to win those games unless you can create some more takeaways on your on your own. Colorado's got the reigning Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year in Jarek Broussard. What kind of problems does he create? Well, I think he's probably the best running back that we've seen this year. You know what I mean? He can, he can really create some explosive plays and make guys miss, and then when he gets in the open, uh, I mean, he's got a chance to take it to the house every single time. And so I think he's a really good football player, and uh, they maybe haven't had as many big holes for him this year as they did last year, but he's definitely a dangerous weapon. Jumping in here a little bit late, but uh, in off, Colorado changed up their offensive line coach a couple weeks ago. Last week, one of their highest outputs of the season offensively. Is there anything different that jumps out on the tape for what they've done now that there's been a coaching change? You know, uh, it, there wasn't a big change schematically or anything like that. I thought their execution was a lot better on the offensive line last week against Oregon compared to some previous games. And so there's nothing that you know jumps out at you like, hey, they're they're completely different offense, or they're 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 blocking things a, uh, a different way. But they were certainly more effective last week than they had been in previous games. You've got a pretty veteran crew defensively. Have you seen after losses that this group responds pretty well to getting back to kind of a, a focus to attention to detail and such? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, it, you know, uh, I've been doing this a long time and, uh, you know, coached 25 years. I, I've never had a team that has gone through a season and played a great game every week. And, it, I've, you know, I've coached four years of professional football, and it's, it's hard to maintain that focus and stuff like that. So one of the things that losses do, especially when you do have a veteran team, is it kind of brings the focus back. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that obviously we don't want to lose two in a row. And so, but we got, we got everything to play for. I think our guys are excited. They still see what's in front of us. And uh, they want to go out and perform well. Nobody wants to go out and have a bad game. And, uh, but we did on Saturday. We got to own it and then come back and, and play well this week. And we've had a good week of practice so far. And I expect them to play hard and, and do well on Saturday. Is there anything you're seeing different from how your team executes on first and second down opposed to third down? No, I don't think so. I think it just comes down to, you know what I mean, in, in those situations, are we making the plays that we need to? You know, like the big thing from a third down percentage standpoint 
it's what are the down and distances too. You know, like last week, I think Cal had eight third and one or twos that they had to convert. You know, it's pretty st tough for anybody to stop those. And, and you know, we, we get a few of them here or there, but those are not the ones you want. You want to get them where they're third and 10 or more. And we had zero of those last week where, Cal, where we had created tackles for loss and those types of things to get them behind the sticks. And so that it's harder to play defense in those situations because when they only got to get their three or four yards and convert, you know, that's just a normal play for them. Their average down and distance on third down was 3.7 yards yeah. to the sticks. That, you know, that, that goes, and therefore your percentage is going to be a, a lot lower than you want it to be on, on the day. You know what I mean? Whereas if they're playing the average is third and seven or more, you know what I mean? You're going to have a lot more success. Has that been uh, more of being thin at the pass, uh, at the pass rushing and the edge rusher positions over the course of this year? I know that there's some guys that you've definitely wanted to have this year that you haven't, and just trying to deal with all of those injuries up front, has that made a difference when it's come to getting pressure on the quarterback, making those pockets uh, a little bit more collapsible? Well, obviously, yeah, if you, if you got your best pass rushers out there and stuff like that, that's going to have an impact. And, uh, you know, and so is it like saying, like, hey, well, you're playing without Aaron Donald, <laughs> is that going to impact the Rams? Well, yeah, obviously, yes. And so, but, uh, I mean, the, the biggest thing is doing a better job on first and second down so that they're playing on third and long. And then you can do a lot, you have a lot more options. There's a lot more things you can do, a lot more coverages that you can play. And, um, to, and, they, and they've got to do, uh, you know, maybe throw the ball further down the field. And it takes, that takes more time and it allows more time for your rushers to get there. When they only got to get three or four yards, they don't have to go, very, the receivers don't have to go very far down the field before they can, you know, sit down and get the ball out quick. Tim Tibbasaw, our defensive coordinator, and he also coaches the outside linebackers. Trent Bray coaches the inside linebackers, and that includes Avery Roberts, who was left off the Butkus Award watch list in spite of uh, a tremendous season. Let's hear from Avery right now. I'm just getting back to work. You know, um, everything happening before this point doesn't matter. We just got to focus on Colorado this week. Looking at the tape, is there anything that that offensive line has, has done differently? They changed up the coach in that position room a couple weeks back and put out one of their better games on tape this year last week. Is there anything you saw in particular up front that looks better or looks different than previous weeks? Uh, you're talking about Colorado? Yeah, um, yeah they, they just run their stuff. Um, same stuff they've been running. They, you know, obviously scheme. Um, they're going to scheme up whoever they're playing. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the game. A veteran defense, obviously. Do you feel like um, after a loss like you guys experienced that it's kind of easier to kind of grab your attention uh, because you, you've been through these kind of situations before, you know, getting back to a, a focus of details and such? Yeah. Um, it's one of the things where, you know, you look at it, you watch the film, then it's over. You focus on and move on to the next week. To uh, the defense has been a little less effective on the road than it has at home. Anything you attribute to that? Um, no, I don't think it matters where we play. It's just, you know, certain games we weren't clicking the way we should, and that's what happened. People look at the third down statistic and those third down conversions, you know, for Cal last week, but first and second down is where they make up the yardage to have the, sh the third and shorts. Is there anything that you guys looked at in terms of first and second down that you think you can do better to get teams a little bit further behind the sticks when they do get the third downs? Uh, yeah, Cal, they were able to run the ball first and second down, which created a lot of third and shorts, so that, you know, we're going to pick those up most of the time. So we just got to, you know, be good on first down, really. Um, stop the run early, force them into second and longs, and then it's a completely different third down. After the game on Saturday, Jaden talked a lot about players taking accountability, saying that you're, you put yourself in these positions. 
Have you seen a lot of that this week as you, you try to bounce back after a loss? Is it, you know, kind of a vibe that the players are, you know, owning it and, and you know, trying to improve themselves? Yeah, um, guys, you know, like I said, you look at the film, you review, you move on. You know, um, it's nothing you could do about last week, so just focus on getting better for the next game. Avery Roberts, gathered by T.J. Matthewson, who joins us here in studio, wrapping up the day. Terry Fry tomorrow, and the coach for St. Martin's as the Beaver men's basketball team gets ready for the exhibition against the Saints at 7 at Gill. TJ, quick thought. Thank you for your hard work out at practice. The World Series 2021. You are a baseball connoisseur. You love the sport. Did you watch much of the series? And if so, what did you make of it? I did, but I, I agreed with your guys' sentiment when I was listening earlier in the first hour as I was driving. I, it wasn't a really good series. We had, I think there was one close game. It's game four. That was it. Yeah. So it's like you guys are talking about the decline in ratings. How, how are you going to get more people to watch, especially if these games aren't close? Not they're not. Obviously, it would help if you had the Yankees or the Red Sox in there or the Dodgers or the Giants. I mean, like those four, for example, draw massive audiences. And the, the two teams you had in there, I know Atlanta's a big market. I know Houston's a big market, but not big enough. Well, but the Dodgers were in it last year, and it didn't bring it up. But then you also pointed out 60 games, COVID, and all of that. Yeah, and the league ratings last year were down across the board. Yeah. But I asked you guys this question, like, when we were in a commercial break. It's like, when was the last, like, truly great World Series? I would I would say probably 2016, the Cubs and Indians. I would say I 16 know. and 17, probably back-to-back, were really good. Yeah. Both seven-game series, both had a lot of close games. Uh, the we had the storyline of sixteen, and then seventeen was like really like close games back and forth, back and forth. And the Astros, you know, came yeah. out later. They cheated, but in the moment that series, yeah, you, you didn't know, they're, know they're, that they were cheating. Their, that their first yeah. franchise World Series right. title. Yeah, there, there were no storylines this time. Not like the Cubs, yeah. like you said, the Astros the first time around. No drama, no history. It almost felt to me uh, it's it's not the same as the Beavers going to Colorado, but we talk about history and rivalries and in series and their old storylines you know when you talk about what's going on between the two schools playing in seattle this weekend they got a lot of stuff in their history and jimmy lakes added to it you know you've got a, a with houston and atlanta that just strikes me as an old national league matchup and you know it just, it just didn't have the same kind of long historical roots that even a cleveland and chicago did in yeah. 16 it yeah. just didn't Nothing was compelling to me even going in about it other than the Braves getting over 500 and, and getting red hot and, and bringing the thing home. TJ, thanks for the great work. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks for joining us today on the Joe Beaver Show. Roll tape, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. Well,